Hello and welcome to Switch It, where we are dusting off our equipment, doing a few tentative stretches and preparing to fire a few down the leg side. Yes, this is the week we have been waiting for, almost four months since cricket around the world came to a halt. England v West Indies behind closed doors at the Aegeus Bowl starting on Wednesday. In testing times, it's time for a test match. It will be test cricket, but not quite as we know it. Uh, no fans in the ground, unique for England at least. No saliva to be used on the ball. No certainty about what to expect from the players or even the pitch. But there's also no doubt that we're just a wee bit excited about it too. We've all missed a good old ding-dong, and that goes for the pod. No selection issues here, as Andrew Miller and Mark Butcher take their customary places in the batting order. How are we doing, gents? Can't complain, can't complain. Ready, ready to rumble, bring it on. Yeah, I mean, if I was able to leave my house, I'd be really excited, but I'm not, so who cares? <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> that's the sort of bit, that's the sort of build up we're striving for um, <laughs> I, 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 I first wanted to say you know we haven't seen each other much in, in recent times um, and there have been some easing to the rules that we've all been living under what's it going to be first uh, pint or haircut and I'll probably address this to Miller first <laughs> uh, pint pint I, I, I need a pint more than I need a haircut and I need a haircut really quite badly <laughs> yeah, well, we, uh, yes we could Mrs. Vouch for that. Mrs. B's been taking care of the haircuts, but um, yeah, a, a couple of a couple of gallons wouldn't go amiss, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you're looking good, Butch, and, and in cheery form as ever, which is what we like to see. Um, right then, it, it was on March thirteenth, uh, the second day of England's tour match in Colombo, that we had previously any meaningful action to discuss. Um, of course, you could probably raise a question mark about the level of meaning that we should attach to the intra-squad warm-up matches in in the last uh, few days. But we are, you know, we're now in the age of biosecure sport, and there has been some um, preparations ahead of the first test. Um, from the home team's perspective, uh, Butch, the, the selectors stuck to a try and tested formula. Pick Joe Denley, and everything else falls into place. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it would have been, I guess, it would have been interesting to see what England did had uh, had Joe Root not been on paternity leave. Um, otherwise, I, I don't see, I don't see any other any other format really. Burns was the man in possession before uh, the uh, the football related incident in South Africa, so he comes back in um, at the top of the order, <clears throat> and then um, you know, I think Zach Crawley. But Dom Sibley for sure, and Zach Crawley both did more than enough to to warrant keeping hold of their places. Albeit that that Crawley's going to, we think, is going to drop down to three, isn't he? And Denley will move down to four. Now my my guess is that is that when Joe Root comes back, that um, that Joe Denley might just keep hold of his place at number three. Um, but I I don't think I would do that personally. But I think that that's probably what will happen. Um, that the eleven will look very much the same as it did at the, at the end of um, at the end of the uh, the end of the South Africa series, with the with the exception that Don Best will probably come in and they won't play a five man seam attack. So I mean, look, not, a little bit of excitement. Bracey making uh, making fifty at the top of the order. Um, Dan Lawrence showing that he's a a, a man of great promise. Um, 
to coin a, a Star Council uh, song title. Um, and, <laughs> you know, and other than that, you know, it's just trying to, trying to work out which of the bowlers to play, I suppose. I mean, the, you know, the, the, um, the, the line-up could have some serious firepower in it, depending on which way England decide to go. And that includes, you know, the, the oldest swinger in town, James Anderson. So um, who ends up on the bench will be an interesting one. Although the, the, the feeling more than likely is that with the test matches coming very, very quickly one after the other and nobody with any miles in their legs, that they'll rotate them all anyway. So, um, you know, that, I think selection-wise, that pretty much covers it, I think. In, indeed, yeah, 13-man th- um, squad for this first test and then nine players kept on in reserve um, ostensibly for sort of COVID-19-related substitutions, although hopefully it doesn't come to that. Um, Miller, uh, Ed Smith talking at the weekend actually suggested, well, that in his mind, um, Joe Denley would remain at number three and that Zach Crawley would bat at number four, although it's down to the captain, um, according to him, uh, which is, of course, Ben Stokes, uh, captaining for the first time uh, pretty much in any format, in any team, uh, taking over the, the test reins while Joe Root attends uh, the birth of his second child. Um, is that, I mean, does that make sense to you, uh, moving Crawley, who opened in his previous test appearance and is a, is an opener by trade at Kent, although he's batted a bit at number three, asking him to bat at four where he's never um, played an innings of first-class cricket before? Yeah, it's a curious one, isn't it? I mean, Denley, Denley is a curious one, full stop. But, uh, but I mean, we, we, we've been crunching the numbers on this one, haven't we? And we've discovered that this is going to be England's least experienced top six mm. since 1978. And when you take that into account, Denley is actually one of the experienced heads there. So so actually, you know, Joe Denley, I've, 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 got a, I've developed a soft spot for, for his role in recent recent times because he's, he's, a, he's a placeholder, isn't he? He's, he's a guy who's, who's just there to, to hold up an end in, in, in figuratively and otherwise and, and just make sure that you know, you're not promoting Ollie, Ollie Pope up the order too soon you're not forcing Dan Lawrence to come in for one test and then get binned because uh, because Joe Root comes back he, when Lawrence does come in I imagine he'll come in and, and in the way that uh, most players do in this day and age and be given a run at the uh, at, at a position rather than come in as a stopgap and so you know Denley is that stopgap at some stage in in the near months you would imagine his career is going to come to a very abrupt halt, but I think people should be grateful for for the role he's performed there. And 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 I think him at number three, you know, again we've harked on about it numerous times. Or well, we haven't because there's been no cricket going on. But when there was cricket going on, <laughs> we were talking a lot about the fact that England's top three had just been roadkill for two years. And Denley at least has come along and provided that solidity at first drop that uh, simply wasn't there in 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 that sort of weird period around the end of Alistair Cook's um, reign at the top. So, um, yeah, I think, I think there's, there's merit in, in sticking to him at number three and, you know, have that, that solidity, whatever it is he, he applies, and let the kids sort of find their niche around the place because, you know, Crawley got his opportunity thanks to an injury to Burns and, and took it. There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to take an opportunity at number four in the same way because, you know, he's... He's he's showed character more than anything else, I think, in in his career to date, and uh, certainly, you know, I think there, there's there's something significant to build on there. But but you know, there's there's time enough for him to to bed into a, a, a any given role. I think. I, I think what it, I think the, the chairman of selectors' words mean that <clears throat> that no matter what happens when Joe Root comes back, Joe Denley stays in the side. I think that's what that means more than anything else. 
because you know the guy the guy at number the guy at number four will not be playing in the next test match so um, not moving Joe De- not Joe not moving uh, sorry moving Joe Denley down to to number four would mean that he was he was the trap door was opening under him the fact that the chairman says that that's not going to happen means that they want him in the side still I mean it's a, it is a curious one because I mean the fact that we've had no cricket at all this summer has actually been good for Joe Denley because you know if one of the if one of the the three um, young Tyros Burns included. Uh, well, it's probably more Burns and Crawley, I suppose, because Sibley, I think, has, has, has done more than enough to warrant his place in the side for the foreseeable future. But Burns needed needed a bit of time in the middle, just you know, to as everybody else would have done. Um, but I, my feeling was at the end of the South Africa series that Joe Denley had done his job. England had won a series away from home. Um, you know, he he had he had performed admirably in the role that, that Miller rightly talks about in terms of providing a bit of a bull, a bullock between you know the, the top order and the middle order that was able to thrive once the shine had gone off the new ball and that once we got back to England again it would be time to to give somebody a, a run at it who would likely have you know more time in their career in that position i.e. Crawley or you know whichever one of them you fancied at three. But because if no one's played, then Joe the Joe Denny's situation hasn't changed at all, and that they're quite happy for him to go in there and make an, you know make a hundred ball thirties um, and 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 get out again, you know. And and I have I don't have an issue with that. I'm not arguing against it. I'm just saying that that he's he's quite fortunate. He's one of the lucky ones out of COVID nineteen, and there aren't many of them. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the Denley is is the new Cowan, isn't it? A sort of a uh, hundred ball forty eight or whatever it was he got in the the first innings um, of that warm up game. Um, Miller, you touched upon it that um, so with without Root, obviously in the side, the most experienced uh, batsman is Joe, uh, is Ben Stokes with sixty three caps, and then the rest of the top six has I think. Um, 46 between them or something like that so um, yeah you're going back to um, well a fantastic scorecard 1978 against Pakistan actually some of the names uh, would go on to be very experienced but uh, Mike Brewerly, Graham Gooch, Clive Radley, David Gower, uh, Graham Roop and uh, Jeff Miller the top six on that occasion, yeah. which I think they had 56 caps between them. But, I mean, the fact yeah, that Gucci Gower in there sort of... <laughs> yeah. well, exactly. They I mean, would that, go that, on to a massive... But that's, that, that's the beauty of this situation, isn't it? You, you look at that, that's, that potential lineup with, with, with Ollie Pope and Zach Crawley mm. as, as the two out-and-out rookies, and Sibley as well. Mm. And, you know, if you talk about Gucci and Gower as, as you know, everyone has to start <laughs> somewhere... Opportunity knocks, and we kind of saw that in South Africa, didn't we? It was a very inexperienced uh, lineup with a load of 20, 21 year olds who were doing the business and sort of growing on the job. It's, it's kind of the way that England have, have decided to go with their Test cricket of late. They, they've got, um, you know, they've got a, a, a one day squad that's, you know, 29, 30, 31 now. They're, they're, they're very, very senior and experienced professionals, whereas uh, more on the Test side, they're, they're, they're going down the rookie route and trying to grow a team that can be. A very good team for for the coming decade, and you know I I can't fault the logic there, and I think it it, it all goes well, especially when you've got someone like Dan Lawrence as well waiting in the wings. So, um, yeah, there were some other fascinating, similar sort of um, similarly weak um, teams on paper in uh, over the years. I mean, look back to nineteen eighty two when Alan Lamb made his debut because half the ti- half the side had gone off on the Rebel tour of 
of South Africa in 1990. Graham Gooch tried to reboot the team, and uh, again, you got you got kids galore in that side: young Atherton, young Stewart, and all the rest of it. Um, you know, the, all the every era has to have players that that start somewhere, and um, you know, just because they these players don't necessarily have caps under their belt doesn't mean they don't have talent in spades. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they go. Um, talking about talent, um, Butch, you'll have seen Dan Lawrence kind of on on the uh, the county circuit. He's had a, a, a quite a bit of buzz around him for uh, a number of years now. Still only sort of twenty twenty two, I think it is. Um, understandable that England would would stick with a permanent placeholder, as as we should call them, the permanent stopgap in Joe Denley, or or is there must have been a temptation to kind of um, take this opportunity to to bring Lawrence into the into the full setup. Um. Uh, there was a, there would have been a temptation, yeah. But the only thing is, is that the, again, the place is only available because the captain's not playing. So you know, it's you're not you're not around for very long in that scenario. Um, and so you know, I don't. It's probably slightly unfair to give to 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 send a guy in again, having played no cricket to speak of whatsoever. You know, I think the last, <laughs> I saw him last actually in the in the T ten in Dubai back in <laughs> November or whatever it was last I saw him. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, so I don't think there's any rush, to be honest with you. I think you can kind of um, wait, wait until the, the opportunity presents itself in a, in a different way. Um, so, un, unfortunate. But I, think, I don't think that he was included in, that, in those squads um, with a view to picking him in this Test Match series anyway. I think it's, you know, it's one of those fact-finding missions by the, by, the, by the team and by the management just to see how... Um, guys like that get on in the, with the big boys, you know, in the in the rarefied atmosphere of being involved in an England squad, you know, trying to figure out what sort of a character he is. Uh, and I'm sure that he'd have done himself um, no end of favours uh, by scoring runs in, in that company. Um, and that, uh, you know, that hopefully he didn't have some awful habits that, that, that Joe Root didn't like um, while they were locked down. Cause I <laughs> uh, so, yeah, look, it, it's a... Uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, case to sort of say, oh, you know, they, they've not been brave enough to pick him, but they've they've been brave because they've picked plenty of other guys who are very young at the moment, and you know, his time will come. Indeed, we're talking about the absence of the captain, um, we have discussed, I think, many times over recent years that that you know, what are the alternatives to Joe Root? to lead the test side. Well, they had to find one on this occasion. Um, ben Stokes talked about as being the kind of the, the default pick almost. Um, Miller, what could possibly go wrong with the uh, the standing captain being your star all-rounder? <laughs> well, quite. I mean, it, it was interesting watching the warm-up game, just uh, how often he brought himself on to bowl. I mean, you know, uh, he's, he's often been used as a sort of last resort option by uh, by Joe Root, but but he was throwing himself in all sorts of situations. I mean, to be fair, he only bowled thirteen overs and two innings, so so it wasn't it wasn't massive. Maybe I was just uh, paying more attention. But he certainly seemed he certainly seemed to bring himself on earlier than than perhaps the, his 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 usual captain does. But no, what can what could possibly go wrong? I, I don't think a lot, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I think um, I think fundamentally he's a batsman these days. He is a very very good batsman. He's clearly a, a very tactically tactically astute batsman to judge by. Well, his two finest innings last year, the World Cup final and, and Headingley, were 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 brilliant on so many different levels. Not least that he had to map out a course to victory in both cases that that required endless strategic thinking and and lateral thinking and thinking outside the box and all the things that uh, you would hope would come to the fore. 
He's clearly an inspirational character. And if you look back to Flintoff in particular, um, Flintoff actually did all right when he was a standing captain. It was when he was made the permanent captain in, in the Ashes in, in 2006-07 that everything went wrong. But when he, when he was thrown in in, in, the, in the Ring of Fire in India, when Michael Vaughan's knee went uh, pretty much for good, he was actually very good at that role. He was, um, you know, he led from the front, particularly with the bat, shockingly. I mean, uh, he seemed to score a 50 in every single innings of that tour as England uh, won the final test to, to secure a very memorable 1-1 uh, series result. And, um, yeah, he was, even even Duncan Fletcher enjoyed his company on that trip. So, um, yeah, you can't complain too much. It's, uh, I, I think in, in the short term, he's a very good choice. And um, I can't think of anyone else other than maybe Rory Burns is the only other guy who could have could have stepped in. But uh, Butch um, stokes the uh, stokes the the natural choice there, and and, and Butler um, is the vice captain and, and retains the gloves, and that seems to be a, a continuity selection as much as anything else. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking that in terms of in terms of a stand-in, Joss was also, I suppose, the other the other guy on the list, really, um, because you know there's a lot of talk that he will. He will take over the reins from Owen Morgan as, as one day skipper. Um, he, he, he could certainly do with, with another role to sort of take the heat off the fact that he's scoring no runs at the moment. So perhaps being, being captain might have made his position a bit safer. Um, but I, again, I agree with Miller about, about Stokes as a, as a stand-in. I have no issue with it on a, on a one-off basis, provided um, unlike other standing captains that I can think of, he gets he, he has a sensible team picked for him to play with. Um, then everything, what could possibly go wrong? Probably nothing. Um, so that I, you know, I have no. I think I think long term. Tell us about that experience. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, Manchester, nineteen ninety nine. Um, anyway, uh, the uh, so I've lost my thread now. Um, no, the, just you know the the idea again of him of being the most sort of influential player on the field. Um, and have the the responsibilities of captaincy, you know, on a permanent basis, is, is what has undone, for, is is what undid both Flintoff and both them before, before them both, and um, you know, I would I would have serious reservations about making that call. Should uh, should anything happen to Joe Root, nice captain you've got there, nothing. Uh, let's hope nothing terrible happens to him. Um, as the as the mafioso might say, um, <laughs> um, so uh, but but you know on a one off basis I have no I have no no issue with it whatsoever, um, and yeah I mean Joss Joss again again is kind of is, is a, it's another one whereby had we had uh, you know two two and a half months worth of championship cricket um, leading into this had he still not scored any runs um, you know his his position would have come under fire by both Johnny Bairstow and, and Ben Folks. For sure, but again, nobody's played. No one's had a chance to be good or bad or anything else, um, and therefore he, he retains his place in the side. But it, I mean, it's notable. I think if you can think back to the you know the, the Test tour of, of South Africa, just how just how devoid of confidence he was with with bat in hand throughout that entire series. Um, and every time you thought, well, you know, he's reached rock, rock bottom. Now Joss is going to come out and play, you know, in that sort of buccaneering one day style and kind of you know the the. the He'll be unleashed because he can't go any further down. Well, he still hasn't reached that point yet. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I hope the net surfaces have been good and that he's been hitting a few in the middle because he didn't hit very many in the middle in South Africa. <laughs> I'm liking Butch as a sort of lockdown Tony Soprano. Uh, hopefully, no one makes uh, Joe Root an offer he can't refuse over the coming weeks. Um, 
Miller, uh, the, the, with the, the keeping situation, which Butch has um, just raised there, uh, um, Ed Smith also uh, at the weekend talking about the selection, he sort of confirmed that, that Johnny Bairstow was, was third in line for the gloves now. Ben Folks has, has stayed on as the reserve at the Aegeus Bowl. Um, and Bairstow will move over to the, the white ball bubble, as will Moeen Ali, who had come back into contention for test selection, but hasn't played obviously since the Ashes last summer. So perhaps understandable that he couldn't force a way past Don Bess uh, and Jack Leach. Um, I, I guess that, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that those two are kind of out of uh, the selectors' thoughts, but there is a, a, an inevitable need to prioritise um, players between the formats, given they're going to have to have this separation uh, whenever the white ball team sort of gets together in the next week or two ahead of planned ODIs, I think it is against Ireland coming up at the end of this month. Um, that was always going to have to be the case. Yeah, and I think um, seeing as seeing as Butler is, as Butch says, he's the man in possession because there's been no cricket, and also again harking back to what Butch noted from his trip into the dressing room at the end of that series, he's very much a heartbeat of this Test team, even if he's not scoring many runs. So he's if he's locked into that Test side, you don't want to overly weaken the one day side by taking out a player as important as Besto. So there's not much point in him him sort of flitting around the fringes and not playing. Get get him over the white ball squad. You know, without Stokes, without Butler, you're going to need Bearstow's runs and experience and, and gloves, frankly, in that side to, to ensure no hiccups on that front because they are world champions after all. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. They've got to get the, got to get the balance right. But I think on reflection, I mean, yeah, Moeen might, in another, you know, given, given half a chance, would have pushed, made a bigger push. But as you say, it's been, it's been since August last year he last appeared in the Test match, so... Um, Don Best did plenty in the winter to to justify his retention ahead of Leach in the first instance of low mowing. So yeah, pass him across. I think uh, you know it, it, it's a weird. It's I still find it difficult to sort of accept that that white ball cricket has uh, has a sort of equal status to, to Test cricket even <laughs> after winning the World Cup. But but you know it, it's not it's not a slight to to say that these players aren't being considered for the Test side at the moment because. You know, we've got a we've got a, a a white ball champion team that that does need a little t- little bit of TLC as well. You can't you can't just strip every asset from them um, as probably happened in previous eras and uh, and to to the detriment of both sides ultimately. Indeed, it's uh, there are lots of unknowns here with. The, the idea that there is going to be a World T20 or a T20 World Cup towards the end of the year, uh, that seems to be fading. So, again, where, where do the priorities lie? Uh, we've, we've had a glimpse, I suppose. Um, perhaps uh, other pointers from the Aegeus Bowl for, uh, for those tuning in to the live stream. Uh, it, was a, it was a pretty slow surface. Um, obviously, the, kind of a lack of cricket all round uh, from those involved. But spin played... More of a part than than might have been expected. I think eleven out of the twenty five wickets to fall went to slow bowlers. Um, Don Best was the pick there. I mean, um, Butch, you kind of imagine that uh, the first the first test of the summer, the first kind of cricket we've had in England uh, since last year, would be kind of nipping around uh, a bit green, a bit a bit of a trial for batsmen, but um, maybe not the case uh, for Simon Lee's first. Test strip at the uh, the GS Bowl. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I've given up sort of trying to second guess groundsmen <laughs> because they get very upset if you do. Um, the, the, uh, go on, go on. Well, give us well a... put it put it this way: it, it, it was incredibly dry through April and May, right? Incredibly dry, 
Um, mm. However, they didn't have pesky cricketers running all over the, the square and, and playing <laughs> games to stop them from being able to, to water and, and, and treat surfaces. So, you know, the, the, there should be no excuses really for them not being exactly as the groundsman and the, and the chairman of selectors wants them to be, right? Now, what, that, what they've ordered, I don't know. Probably, probably they'd, they'd probably <laughs> like something with a bit of carry in it um, because we've got a decent fast, fast bowling attack as well as the West Indies um, and, and perhaps something that might take a bit of turn, you know. Um, and, and, and there's, I can't think of better circumstances for a, for a ground crew to be able to prepare exactly that than the, the sort of weather that we've had and the fact that they've had nothing getting in their way aside, aside from perhaps being furloughed um, to stop them from doing it. So, um, look, uh, the, the, it, it won't be like the the traditional sort of come over in May, it's freezing cold and, and, and swinging all over the place. Um, that that shouldn't be the case. But what we should get is a couple of couple of really good surfaces at both Southampton and Manchester. Um, and I and I fully expect that Don Best will take England's spot in the side as, as the lone spin bowler. And and I fully expect he'll do a, a damn good job of it too. I mean, I, I can't, I cannot think, you know, regardless of what you think the sort of the limitations were of, of South Africa as an opposition, I can't think of a, of a time where, um, with a kookaburra, on this on the sort of you know in the southern hemisphere that is not in Asia, um, where uh, perhaps Michael, perhaps Graham Swan would be the only other time where where a spin bowler is able to to offer a captain um, the length of spell. Um, going at two and a half and over, keeping control and taking bag of wickets when, you know, at one point, uh, that was Port Elizabeth, wasn't it, that Don Best did. And, and for that reason, he mm. absolutely deserves to stay in the side and build upon what was a really great performance from him in, uh, in South Africa. So, you know, good luck to him. Indeed. And, I mean, both bowling attacks, you'd think, um, after a little bit of pace and carry, um, as Butch mentions, we'll, we'll come to the Windies uh, very shortly, but um, just before we move on, Miller, I mean, the, the probably the one selection decision to make on, on Wednesday morning is whether Stuart Broad sort of continues his run of home uh, tests or or Joffre Archer or, or, or possibly Chris Wokes comes in, um, Mark Wood being the man in possession to use an, a, a phrase beloved of the England setup currently. Um, but that bowling attack, um, yeah, I mean J- James Anderson, we, we assume will play, um, and then is it is it is it Archer versus Broad? Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting though the, the, the assumption that Anderson is the shoe in. I mean, he probably is, but I mean, <laughs> he's also not the man in possession because he's he's the one who's been injured for most mm. of the year. And uh, mm. I don't know, it, it's a curious one, isn't it? I mean, certainly from from watching the warm up games, I thought he took a long time to get up to speed. I thought his first spell in particular was was very rusty indeed. He was starting to hoop a little bit in his latter spells, but I thought Stuart Broad looked very limber. Actually, I thought I thought he looked like a man who was running in with a point to prove, as he often is in in this in this. Uh, well, I mean, we've been talking about this Broad and or Anderson for for about four or five years now, really, almost <laughs> almost since twenty twelve, wasn't it? When they were when they were when they were first rested uh, in Tino Best Best Test to uh, to get a get yeah. an idea of what might constitute the next generation. You know, eight years later, we're still talking about what's going to be the next generation. So, you know, you can't write off Anderson clearly, but you can't write off Broad either. And um, you know, his his home record, his longevity on home soil is extraordinary. And um, I, I think he'd be massively aggrieved to to be to assume that he's the guy who who misses out. Um, that said, I mean, you know, the the temptation to play Archer and Wood in the same same test is mouth watering. Um, 
I just wonder, again, harking back to what you're saying about the, the groundsman, I mean, it, you know, that first pitch that we saw for the warm-up was sluggish. It, there's no two ways about it. And, you know, talk, with the, you know, in in an ordinary world, you'd imagine that, that having an entire season to prepare your test wicket would be glorious. But in Simon Lee's case, here's a guy who who left Ham, left um, Somerset after 18 years to move to Hampshire in September. And the first look he's got at this ground, the first time he's been able to prepare a wicket that's of any consequence is a test wicket. Um, you know, I, I I think you know Aww. all things all things being equal, <laughs> he would probably rather have had a few games to to get to know his loam rather than have to have to rustle up a pitch and say this is this is perfect. Um, you know, it's not quite the same as 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 Siderabad and be able to be able to balance his pHs to perfection to produce a Bunsen. It's this this may be a bit more complicated for him. So. Which think, is a long-winded way of Butch saying is, I have uh, no idea how England will balance it, but but they can't expect to get too much help from groundsman's intel because he probably doesn't know what he's getting himself. I think Butch is about to whip out the smallest violin in the world for the uh, no, no, I've, for I've, the groundsman. I've, I've nothing, I've nothing, <laughs> nothing to add. I mean, you know, um, but, they, but they can't. Have it, you know, on... they, they hate it when, when cricketers <laughs> walk on the square, and now they've had a chance not to have any cricketers walking on the square, and they're still complaining. They just they do nothing but complain. These people. <laughs> um, on a less controversial subject, I mean, when it comes to two fast bowlers in the shape of Mark Wood and Joffre Archer, England have kind of talked about rotating them in order to keep one or the other fresh and, you know, to avoid the wear and tear and injuries, which meant that Archer came home from South Africa and wasn't going to go to Sri Lanka and and Wood had a side strain, which would have ruled him out of Sri Lanka as well. I mean, would it make sense to, to play them both at the first opportunity ahead of maybe six well, five more tests after this one in a summer, you know, where it's all kind of condensed, uh, or, or would it perhaps uh, be wiser to stick with your your, your trusted thoroughbreds, uh, Anderson Broad, and one of the quicker men uh, alongside a spinner? Um, well, I, I, st- I still think <laughs> take take your time. I know, but I, I just think I think, <laughs> I think Jimmy might Jimmy as Jimmy might find himself. Would find himself fortunate to go to walk straight back into the side. That's what I think. I mean, look, mm. it was right that he started in South Africa. Okay, because 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 of who he is, because of his reputation, because he's bloody magnificent. Mm. Um, <laughs> but you know, he, he lasted a, he lasted a test match and an, and an innings really in 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 this there having limped out of the first morning of the Ashes series and he's 37 and again has gotten has played no cricket so how how he how he is able to sort of convince how he'd be able to convince me as a captain um, and the selectors management and whatever that it wasn't a gamble to that it's not a gamble to pick him for a five day test match when there were all these other young fellas fit as a butcher's dog lining up behind him is you know that's an interesting conversation, don't you think? <laughs> you know, if he was, if yeah, he, yeah, absolutely. If he were twenty-eight, we you wouldn't be, you wouldn't even bat an eyelid. But he's not. Um, you know, he's ten years older than that, and uh, so again, he's another one for whom no cricket at all has, has, has perhaps not done any favours. Because I would, I would be inclined to to back the guys that 
that did the job for me in, in tough circumstances in South Africa. Yeah, it's, it's, a, fair, it's, a, it's a fair point. I mean, you know, there's a danger with Anderson. I mean, let's not, let's not assume that he's, he's, he's remotely past it, but, you know, the evidence does suggest that his injuries are catching up on him more than they used to, even if his bowling skills are magnificent. But, you know, there's a danger that you're going to end up going down a bit of a capital dev route with him, just so keeping him as the as a sort of golden goose of the of the lineup, even when he's way past his prime, and in so doing, cramp the style of the next generation. I mean, it's um, it's got to be a consideration. But equally, you know, with six tests and as many weeks coming up, it's um, you know, the chances of this lineup bowling all six in a row is is slim. Therefore, you know, maybe in 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 the interest of getting the most out of him, it does make sense for him to go first because then he can rest more rather than have him go second and then. You know, if he's informed, then he, he, you've got to keep him in, and you're not able to rotate in quite the same extent. So, but I see. I, I tell you what, I would do. I'd, I'd go down my, my Brearley route here and go. I'd make him go second. I'd have I'd mm. have him store it up, take the take the um, you know take the ignominy of uh, of <laughs> missing out in the first test match, store all that up, and have him either come out and and you know and and to shove it down everybody's throat in the second one. Or you know, or it doesn't work out. You know, you bust the gut and, and literally bust the gut, and then you kind of you got your answer, haven't you? Um, do you know what I mean? It's kind yeah, of, yeah, and, totally. and, and this sounds this sounds like sacrilege talking about about somebody as great as Jimmy, but it's kind of you know there there comes a point whereby the things that you're gaining are, are not quite don't don't quite eclipse the things that you're that you're holding back or you're or you're losing by not playing one of the younger guys. So. Um, you know, that's that's what I'd be inclined to do. Um, I mean, having said that, you know, no. you could you could end up with the same, this, exactly the same situation if you play him in the first one. He plays the first one, bowls magnificently, no problem. Plays the first one, breaks down in the first within within five overs of taking the new ball, and then you know, then you also know, you you know, for the future as well. So, I mean, look, he's great. It could it could be one of those situations like with Sachin, whereby, whereby basically he just decides what he's going to do. And everybody has to wait until until that's the point. But I'd, I'm not sure that's the art. That's the point of management, really. Well, no. it would be an interesting uh, interesting one for Stokes to make the call to uh, drop him from this first test and then leave Joe Root to pick up the pieces for the rest of the summer. Um, <laughs> you can't you there, can't drop there are... somebody can't drop somebody that's not been in the side. True. True. Um, Omit, leave out. Uh, there, uh, there is, of course, Chris Wokes in the 13 as well. And, and in the, the expanded group, uh, Sam Curran will doubtless come into sort of contention, having, uh, once he's recovered from his bout of gastro or whatever it was that laid him up last week, um, you've also got uh, Craig Overton, Saqib Mahmood, uh, and Ollie Stone, I think. Um, uh, oh, and, and Ollie Robinson, Robinson as well. So well. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. We, we should be talking about the, the pace stocks. Uh, for the for the coming weeks, I'm sure. Um, no, Ollie lo- Robinson was an on. one. I, I like I like I like the look of him. I've I've not seen much of him in in a live capacity. He, he sort of he, he had a bit a bit of the Roland Jones sort of heavy heavy deck hitting seam with a bit of with a bit of nibble about it that, mm. that perhaps England haven't had. You know, their 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 seamers are very much uh, either either full on pace or 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 swing through the air, but. Uh, you know, a bit, bit more, bit more heavy ball, Tim, Tim Bresnan-esque in, in, in places. I thought, and that, that, that's, that's an attribute I think would be, would be handy because England are going to need guys like him to be sort of uh, water carriers in the ashes. You get, if you, you know, you got Archer and Wood as the spearheads, 
you're going to need someone who's going to do the the, the hard yakker. And I, I like the look of what what he produced in his his brief burst. But again, that's that's one for further down the line. I suspect it's he's not going to get a look in 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 the opening gambit. That's for sure. I'll tell you what, we might see some quick balls bowled. You know, if if the pitch is is even just sort of medium pace. It's very yeah. rare you get um, two sets of two been, sets been of fast saving it up for <laughs> with, yeah, with with no niggles, you know. So that that could be fun. But batters who haven't <laughs> not played for for uh, for a year could have a couple of quick test matches. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, no, no comment on on whether we like those. Um, <laughs> was it? I dare I say the um, uh, sort of Gus Fraserish uh, stylings of, of Ollie Robinson? You like Miller? Well, um, I couldn't possibly comment. But yes. <laughs> Um, uh, moving on, moving on to West Indies, uh, they received tributes from all corners for agreeing to tour. It, it's been almost four weeks since they touched down. Uh, initially, combining training with a period of quarantine, uh, and then they were able to squeeze in a couple of practice games. Although their reward for coming over here was to be based in Manchester, where it inevitably rained on the second of those matches, um, meaning the batsmen haven't quite had as much time in the middle as they would like. Miller. Yeah, Jason Holder in particular. I mean, he he was a he had a bit of a thanks <laughs> thanks for coming in his in his warm up with Golden Duck and barely bowled and um, generally sort of relied on 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 soaking up the atmosphere rather than any time in the middle. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, he's he's a, he's a seasoned pro, isn't he? They they they'll, they'll all uh, they'll all find a way. And I I, I don't know. It, it, it's traditional to underestimate West Indies, but you know, as we saw in the Caribbean recently, they maintained their. Proud record of only one series defeat since 1968 in the Caribbean. Thanks for that one, Butch. And, um, and that's uh, and you know their record over here is you know they they've won an amazing test at Headingley last time they were here. So it's um there's 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 all sorts of reasons I think that that that, that they've got hidden depths and because they they usually do. Yeah, I mean, uh, Holder concerns. Uh, he bowled five overs. He has bowled five overs in the the two intra squad games. Um, Maybe as Butch suggests, sort of holding it, uh, holding it back, ready for the test. Uh, he is the ICC's number one ranked all-rounder. Uh, ben Stokes, number two. Um, West Indies have also got Shannon Gabriel back. Uh, they've re- sort of added him to the the test squad, uh, having been part of the reserves initially. But he's proven his um, fitness. Uh, and and perhaps the main selection there, issue there is whether to to play another quick bowler in Alzari Joseph, uh, or or include the giant Raheem Cornwall. Uh, as a sort of spin bowling all rounder, but I mean, Butch, we've seen over the the, the last couple of encounters between this sort of holder versus root, uh, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, nineteen, um, that the the bowlers generally uh, have a good time, and maybe the batsmen are are not there for a long time. No, it has it has appeared that way, hasn't it? I mean, West and none of the West Indies scored average forty in Test matches, do they? They're all sort of. In the, no, in the, I think in the, uh, in the, I think well, high kind of mid mid thirties, high thirties is and about. Every, and everybody else is sort of just just barely over thirty. Um, you know, the, I mean, but, it does it all points to you know with fit bowlers and, and batsmen who haven't played for a while, plus batsmen who <laughs> generally don't score very many runs anyway. It all points to to, to fast Test matches, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> I, this Joshua De Silva, anybody seen much of seen much of him? I don't remember seeing him play at all. No, I've not uh, seen anything. Really. No, yeah. Yeah, um, no, he's very much the kind of uh, the the bolter backup wicketkeeper, isn't he? But I think um, the view is that Dowrich will will be fit to play, um, and then 
and then the, the I mean Brathwaite and Hope were the were the twin pillars of that Headingley win in twenty seventeen, but but neither have really um, been able to t- touch that form again in in Test cricket over the past uh, sort of two or three years. No, no, they haven't. I mean, and, but the, I mean, you you reeled off the names of the the lightly bowling attack. I mean, they're going to be a, they're going to be a handful for sure. Mikhail Raj is a, is a sensational bowler. I mean, he's mm. he's got Anderson like skills, isn't he? I mean, it, and perhaps. Perhaps a little bit sharper than that. No, not quick as he used to be, but he's still he's still quick enough. Mm. I know he's had issues with with ankles and feet of recent. So um, you know he'll probably be happy for for the rest um, that he's had over this amount of time. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, I think I think bat- batsmen on both on both teams are gonna gonna find their runs pretty tricky to come by. But as as we've seen with both of these teams, they they kind of. If you're not being knocked over, the, the the runs seem to be flying off the bat. You know the scoring rates can be can be can be quite high. So um, the, the cricket will be entertaining if uh, if if quick. <laughs> <laughs> a quick game is a good game. Miller um, Kimar Roach um, is set to become the first West Indian since um, Kirtley Ambrose uh, in 1994. So a quick bowl to reach. Uh, 200 test wickets uh, in this series. He need, he's seven short, so we're sort of making an assumption here. But um, I mean, Nagraj did a big interview with him uh, that went up over the weekend. He, I mean, he's really matured into sort of, a, a, as Butch says, a sort of the the Anderson-like uh, leader of the attack there. Absolutely. I mean, he, he was he was magnificent when, when England were rolled over in the Caribbean last year. I mean, his his performance in that first test was sensational. And uh, yeah, the, the way he just, he, he, he's probably, as you say, he's probably not as sharp as he used to be, but he's still, he's still significantly quicker than, 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 than average and, and has all the, all the skills. He's able to get up to the bat and just nibble around. He's, he's brisk and, and, and threatening and, and yeah, as you say, it, it, it almost seems passe to, to talk about 200 test wickets as a, as a feat because, you know, we're, we're in the era of Anderson Broad and so we get a bit complacent about these things. But, you know, Roach is, is approaching the, the levels of Andy Roberts and Michael Holding. I mean, you know, Wes Hall has gone past already. Um, you know, he's up there among, uh, statistically, among the greats in West Indies fast bowling history. And if you, you know, if you're rubbing shoulders with, with, with legends of that ilk, um, you're way up there. I mean, what is he? He's uh, he's in the top ten wicket takers for West Indies now. Um, yeah, he's got Roberts is in sight. Gary Sobers, Michael Holding, Joel Garner, Lance Gibbs, the the spinner. Then Marshall, Ambrose, and Walsh. So you know, it's he's he's got uh, he's got a lot of a lot of um, stats behind him, and he's now got a very very good line up alongside him it's not quite the four horsemen of the apocalypse of the of the 1980s and early 90s but it you know that the, if if uh, Shannon Gabriel can find a, a, a final wind at the age of 32 and come back from his ankle injury with the sort of brutality that he showed in the Caribbean and they got Chima Holder this this who answers the name of Ambi because he's he's basically a young Kirtley Ambrose prototype who's who's coming through and I mean they, they've got uh, an Azari Joseph as well who we've seen already last year there's a lot. There's Don't a lot to go Royce, Royston Chase, absolutely the destroyer. <laughs> Eight wickets. I still, I still, I still can't believe that. It's of all the all the ways to go, but uh, but no. I mean, he he's he's another another factor as well. I mean, Raheem Cornwall could come in as a spinner, but Chase would 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 do a perfectly adequate job as a as a spin bowling all rounder if they want to go down that route as well. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's I think it's going to be 
a ball-dominated series in spite of the lack of saliva and potential lack of swing. I mean, who needs swing when you're just spearing it through defences at 90 miles an hour? It's, uh, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, before um, sort of uh, when West Indies uh, uh, just um, rocked up, I think Roddy Estwick, uh, the assistant coach, compared the depth. So you've got sort of uh, Chamar Holder and Alzari Joseph and O'Shane Thomas and uh, a few other names, Anderson Phillip and pe- people that we perhaps haven't um, been introduced to yet. But he was comparing that to sort of the 80s. Um, West Indies' last test series win over here was in 1988. Um, but uh, Butch, sort of pace like fire is a, is a good way to um, uh, to ruffle, ruffle the home side and, and try and sort of uh, set that record straight. 1988? Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think another well, four nil, maybe not. Uh, maybe not a black four nil. Uh, yeah. Four nil. Yeah. But then, and we 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 talked about those drawn series in the nineties. Drawn series, yeah. But yeah, it goes back away. I mean, I mean, I would, I would imagine. I mean, look, things are a little bit, I suppose, a little bit more even for the for visiting side, being that it, you know, being that it's July, and not and not May. Um, being that they, even though some of it was spent, half of it's been spent in quarantine, they actually perhaps had a little bit more time with their feet on the ground in the country to sort of to acclimatise, etc., etc. Obviously, no warm-up matches to speak of, but England haven't had any either. So, um, you know, all, all, things are a lot more equal as we be, as we go into the Test series than than ordinarily they would be. Um, you know, back in I suppose back in the eighties, seventies, and eighties. West Indies cricketers were all over county cricket, um, and so home series were were almost away series were almost home series for them because most of their guys were were more than uh, more than well versed with with English conditions. That is that that's less the case for overseas players coming in from everywhere now, and and is part of the reason why England have been so dominant um, at home during the during this millennium. Um, but having said that, you just you, you kind of you look at the numbers and you just think, are they, are they going to be able to, without sort of miracles of heading lead two hundreds in a match from from hope, are they going to be able to put enough runs on the board against England's attack, who are equally as equally as potent as theirs? Uh, and my feeling on that is is no. But um, you know, Jason Holder as a, as a captain has managed to has managed to draw um, draw performances out of. Out of this side, which is not blessed with 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 champions of the past, you know, no Laras, no Richards, um, that means that they're not they're not a team that comes and, and rolls over, particularly against England. I think they they tend to raise their game against England, perhaps more so than than others. Um, but I, but I'm I'm still predicting, as, unless the weather has something to do with it, that England will win um, by a couple of Test matches in the series. Um, the other factor. Perhaps here Miller talking about the kind of unusual nature of the build-up and all that, but um, no crowd, no sort of support for the home side. Uh, Stuart Broad's kind of spoken a little bit about using uh, the team psychologist to kind of, in the knowledge that he knows he needs to get himself up for it. Um, and I mean, Phil Simmons, I think at the start of the tour, and a couple of the West Indies players have referenced it, the fact that England won't have that 12th man, that kind of um, the Barmy Army uh, cheering them on. Um, can that play a significant uh, role? Do you think? 
Oh, probably, but I mean, I, I mean, we've got Mark Wood um, belting out Jerusalem from the, from the top of the stadium, so so there's something going for it. But no, you're right. I mean, it's it's going to be the most most sterile environment uh, that Test crickets have been played in since uh, the last Test in Dubai. So it's uh, it, I mean, it's not um, it's not unique for cricket to be played in in slightly strange um, moonscape land moonscape atmospheres. So um, you know, I, I've been in numerous Tests where there's been one man and a dog. Um, let alone county games, and you know, it, it it's a cliche, and it's probably an unfair cliche, but a lot of these, a lot, a lot of cricket does take place in in front of more TV viewers than 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 the ground might let on, and so I, I'm sure these players will be well aware that um yeah it might feel a little little odd, they might feel a little bit out of out of kilter, but they'll they'll know full well it's a test match when the ball's whistling past their nose at 95 miles an hour you don't really need the crowd to 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 warn you the ball's approaching your nose you you, you kind of rely on your instincts don't you so i don't i don't see much of a problem there when when the when when the juices start flowing you 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 don't really need um a packed stadium to to tell you about it although clearly as we saw last summer with with the the ridiculous feats at Headingley there are certain players within that side who clearly do thrive on on the emotion and 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 the atmosphere and 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 everything else that comes with having a full crowd but it's not unique for for cricket in particular and and for that reason I I think it will pass as close to without comment as 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 you can expect certainly you know I'm sure we've all been watching the the scenes in the Premier League and watching Liverpool trying to trying to celebrate winning the title in in an empty Anfield. I mean, you you could tell that that is a that's a different kettle of fish uh, for for football, and particularly in that shortened window when it's stretched across an entire day of seven hours, eight, seven eight hours. Even when it's a full crowd, there'll be sometimes there'll be periods, particularly at Lords after lunch, where you, you can hardly you hear a pin drop because everyone's still dozing because they've had too much champagne. Is it, you know, it's, it doesn't necessarily mean that. You know, a crowd doesn't always mean an atmosphere, and, uh, and I, I think I cricket, wonder, is, cricket's I better, better verse at that. I wonder whether or not it will have any sort of practical, make any practical difference. You know, you shouldn't have too much problem with people slowing down the the already funereal overrate by walking <laughs> behind the side screen. Um, there'll be no one to throw the ball back. Um, you know, what what, what practicalities is, is it going to bring to have nobody in the crowd for these test matches? Yeah. Well, probably not much, but it'd be interesting. To no see. one. No one to wind up Ben Stokes when he gets out. That's uh, well, there, there uh, one. Are, there are going to be certain but, things that are going to try and try to get some um, continuity. There's going to be a PA announcer telling telling us who's coming on at which end, and there's going to be music mm. played in the build-up to the match. There's going to be music between overs. Uh, sorry, no music between overs, but the LED perimeter boards will be happening. Um, there's mm. all the big big screens going to show the big moments and all the rest of it. There's but that's, for, t- that's for TV, isn't it? I mean, that's not for. There's no one to watch yeah. it. <laughs> but, but, but the very fact it's for TV means it is it will be a sort of you know subliminal reminder that oh yeah there's more than just us going on here there, there are other yeah. people who are paying attention to this Butch did you prefer the sort of uh, the, the roars of the western terrace at Headingley or, or the car horns around Basin Reserve <laughs> the car horns and Harleyford Road um, <laughs> I mean yeah, I don't know I, can't, I was trying to think of a, of a sort of a, an example of how of how it makes an enormous amount of difference and makes none at all, and the best one I can think of is 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 the MCG on Boxing Day, um, whereby to begin with it's kind of, whoa, you know, it's it's extreme assault on the ascent, on the senses, you know, with all of those the ninety thousand people in that amphitheatre, 
But then you kind of, you know, once once you get into the game, it could be five thousand. You know, the ninety thousand or five. It doesn't. It kind of, it passes you by. Um, you know, and and. <laughs> Which doesn't mean to say that it's it's going to be great that there's no one in the crowd. That is that's for sure. But it kind of you know in terms of how it affects you individually as a player, probably not a massive amount. But what it does do is it is it kind of it takes away the excitement of some of the moments. You know the gasps when the ball beats the bat. The you know the the huge shouts and stuff for LBW decisions. It's all of those atmospherics that sort of make live sport what it is, and that and they will be sorely missed. That there's a group of people probably in, during the series who will, who who may or may not appreciate the fact that there are that there's nobody in the ground creating that sort of atmosphere, and that's the umpires. There's a practical, a practical thing that you know that all of a sudden that those noises they'll be able to hit you know they'll be able to hear stuff now, um, <laughs> which gives them less of an excuse for getting stuff wrong. You know, <laughs> it's either it's either great or terrible for them. Who knows? Um, but you know there are there, there are practicalities around there being a crowd and not being a crowd. Indeed, well, we'll be uh, obviously listening out for what comes through the stunt mics uh, extra intently as well. One just last thing to touch on: I think both sides um, will be making uh, gestures to do with the Black Lives Matter movement. The, the logos will be on the shirts of the teams as a. There's the possibility that the players may take a knee. Um, Butch, would you like to see that? Um, I, I, if the players, if the players want to do that in solidarity um, with with uh, with people of colour and, and discrimination of any of any type, then absolutely, yeah, I have no issue with that whatsoever. I know that the West Indies are going to do something. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you know this. Is, the England team are, are, are pretty socially aware, um, you know, of, of all types of things. It, it it opens up a slight can of worms, doesn't it? Because of the whole. You remember when Mo and Ali was wearing the armbands in support of um, <clears throat> Palestine, etc., etc. That you know you kind of you get yourself into all kinds of trouble by allowing one thing and not allowing another. Um, so, but I think you know on 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 the on the surface, I'm I'm all for it, absolutely, I, because I want to see the co- the conversation continue. Um, mm. I think as much as anything else, you know, there there have been there have been flashpoints throughout my lifetime, you know, incidents that have occurred, whether in this country or you know Stephen Lawrence in this country, Rodney King back in the states back in the early nineties and stuff. And you know, generally speaking, there there are there are flashpoints and uprisings, and it becomes part of the the conversation. But it only lasts a couple of weeks, and then it disappears. And I think, I think that there is enough, there is enough in the way of of understanding and evidence um, that shows not only in terms of just individual cases of race. Everyone can spot the idiot throwing bananas at football matches. You know that kind of thing. That there's nothing you can do about that. But I think the more that people are aware of the sort of um, structural and societal uh, imbalances that there are, and the more that that conversation continues, then then I'm absolutely all for it. Yeah. And I mean, Miller, the, the Windies have spoken kind of uh, um, fairly regularly, Jason Holder, about what they might do, but not that they need extra motivation. But uh, you sense that that can only sort of help fire and fire up their uh, uh, case. I really do think it will. I mean, I, I, I've asked both Holder and uh, Phil Simmons this question in, in, in the course of the tour so far. Just, uh, you know, in terms of the West Indies, it, it, their particular identity as a team, obviously they're 
unique among world cricket teams in that uh, you know they're not they're not a country they are a region and in fact the the various countries within that region often cause a lot of strife and a lot of bickering. We saw it only last week with this uh, ludicrous letter that was sent by the Barbados Cricket Association to uh, in the in the wake of Phil Simmons going to a funeral. It's like you know the the bickering and and the and the politicking and and all the things that can detract from the majesty of what West Indies have achieved. Um, all of that can be pushed to the background with uh, with something as as simple and overarching as as a Black Lives Matter logo. It's uh, I I honestly think it will it harks back to you know the great era in the 1980s when you know Viv Richards very much wore black pride as as, as a badge of honour and 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 it drove a lot of what uh, was so great about that West Indies team. I don't see any issue with you know in their quiet moments in, in the team hotel when they've got nothing else to reflect on, being able to think that you know instead of just thinking we're bored, let's play on the PlayStation, you just think you know we're here and we're here at a moment that I think will resonate if if we put up a show and put up a show of unity. Um, I, I really think I think it can it can help to capture this moment in time in, in, a, in a way that few other tours could. So I fully expect someone as astute as Jason Holder to be able to, you know, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to win the, the series on, on, on English soil is a very big ask, but I certainly fully expect them to put up a big fight because, um, well, you know, they are the holders of the Wisdom Trophy as well. They, they put up a very big fight in the Caribbean only, only 18 months ago and... Um, it was too much of a fight for England, so you know I don't think they're favourites, but I honestly believe they're gonna they're gonna come out swinging and uh, be able to put up a, a, a damn good fight on this series. Just, just brief, just one, one last thing. Phil, Phil Simmons as coach of the of the West Indies side. I mean, tremendous, ter, great guy, terrific coach, huge experience, obviously, of playing cricket in England. Sort of MVP of Leicestershire's title wins in the in the late nineties. Um, or was it just the one of them, 97? Anyway, they, they buried us in the last game of a series, season <laughs> one year, so uh, largely due to him. And, and he's a, a wonderful guy to have in, at the helm. You know, I, he, I, I've heard him speak of stories of playing in the leagues and stuff you know, uh, in his time as a, as a club cricketer over here in England and, and suffering um, shocking racial abuse. Um, and so, you know, it'll be something that that he will use as well. I mean, it, and and why not? And and I think also, you know, not just what happens inside their dressing room and the, and the, the things that they use to motivate themselves, but just just as as another way of of of, of highlighting highlighting the issue in a positive way, and um, and keeping that conversation front and centre. Okay, chaps, indeed, well, that has got the juices flowing. Um, only a few scratchy shots, and luckily producer Lucy can deal with those in the edit. Uh, summer is here, the pubs are open, and cricket is about to resume. Summer is here, the pubs are open, and cricket is about to resume, at which point England will attempt to squeeze in four series in two months. Though, of course, we wouldn't want it any other way. We'll be here keeping pace, of course. Uh, my thanks to Miller and Butch and to you all for tuning in to the Switch It podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com.